0: All right, so we are continuing our series in James called um, uh, The Sacred Made Practical or Practical Living. I call it Sacred Made Practical. The slide says something else. My bad. Uh, But um, what it is is really this this incredibly engaging and practical book of the Bible, James. It's found in the back of your uh, Bible. It's past Hebrews before 1 Peter. It's a little thing. It's only five chapters long, but it is uh, probably one of the oldest or the oldest book of the New Testament, and it is packed. Just jam. Packed with practical ways in which life is supposed to work. How are we supposed to apply this whole Jesus thing, this Christianity thing, to our lives? If you've ever um, asked the question, maybe you've uh, listened to a message or you've read something in the scripture, and you're like, "What does that mean? What what does that? What do I do with that?" James is all about. This is what you do with all of these things. And so that was where we're kind of headed. And this is the fourth week in that series. But if you haven't been here uh, previous to that, don't worry. We'll catch you up real nice and quick. The most important thing we can start to understand about James is just in the very first sentence. And I don't know about you, but I skip the first sentence a lot of times in these little books in the back of the Bible because they just say, hey, so-and-so, writing to so and so to so and so and I'm like okay give me the meat I'm going to skip down a couple verses uh, let's let's get going except in that first verse it says James a bond servant of God and of Jesus Christ and everything else read in James everything else interpreted from the book of James from then on out should be interpreted from that word bondservant, bond servant bond Servant. And if you've been here all four weeks, you're like, man, he is really hitting that hard. Yes. And I will continue. So because we're only in the 13th verse and we got like four and a half more chapters left to go Uh, because it's that important. This idea of the bond servant. What is a bond servant? Well, it's kind of like a slave and it's kind of like a servant. So it's bond servant. But it, it's this choice that someone had to make to say, you know what, I, my past is I owe too much money. I did too many stupid things. I, this is the only way I can provide a hope and a future for my kids. I, I'm going to sell myself to someone else, and they will become my master. So it's this indentured servant type uh, uh, attitude, but they're completely, totally sold to them. Everything about them sold to them. And so James is using this, this imagery of this bond servant. I am totally, been, my past has been sold. Everything about me has been sold. Uh, all my, all the, the, the debts that I've had have been bought. I am a bond servant of God and of Jesus Christ. Does this make sense? Okay, so everything has to be viewed through that. And once we start to view James through that lens, things start to get a lot clearer, right? It's kind of like going to... Uh, the eye doctor, and they do it like one and then two, and then one, and you're like, no, 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 I can't see anything. And I have, I don't need my glasses. I just get really, really, really bad headaches. I start, squint, I go like this, but I can, it doesn't help. I don't know why people do that, but um, maybe, maybe you never squinted like that, but that's okay. Um, we, <laughs> the one and the two, and you're like, oh, don't give me that. What is that? I don't, that's not my prescription at all. And sometimes we, we view in the scripture that way, we're viewing it through the wrong lens and we're viewing it through maybe our own present circumstances, through our anger issues, through, through all kinds of stuff, that, that we're, we're, we kind of get the wrong thing out of the scriptures. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. The right lens for James, as we look through it, is how is this, how is this teaching me how to be, be the best servant of God I possibly can be? And so everything else is, is from that. With this attitude of, if you're, if he's writing these, these Jewish Christians all over the Roman Empire and saying, if this is who you're going to be, you need to remember, you need to have the attitude of a bondservant. And this has been very practical for most of them because 40% of the Roman Empire uh, at this time, working age adults would have been. Uh, slaves in some fashion, so everyone would have known a slave. Everyone would have uh, maybe you know been a slave. Slavery grew, or not slavery, Christianity in slavery grew like a wildfire. Why? Because of what James goes on to say about about this idea of of hope and of joy. He he calls it this this cara, which is this joy. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you go through stuff. Consider it joy. And, and I don't know about you. I look at, I look at that and go, uh, I'm not happy about this stuff happening. That's right. But this idea of joy is instead remembering the victory that my master has had. Remember the victory. No matter what you're going through, no matter who's sick, no matter what's uh, been happening, no matter what's happened to your job, no matter what's going on with your kids, no matter all those things, remember the victory that God has had. Does that put it in proper perspective for you? Okay with me all right now we're going to keep on hashing those out because that's the lens in which we see everything else and uh, especially in James now we have these ideas about who God is and how God operates with us and today we're going to talk a lot about temptation and we're going to talk about sin and we're going to talk about you know other fun topics like that but we're going to talk about temptation we're going to talk about sin and, and the blame in which we uh, we place on that um, this this morning and so I want to kind of just tell you a little story about my high school days, in which um, I think might even echo your viewpoint of God, or how maybe you viewed God in the past, and you can decide if you've, you know, resonate with this or not. But I played—I uh, was a swimmer in high school. I was also a baseball player, but I was a swimmer, and uh, we would, in the off season, we would play uh, roller hockey. At the church because and I lived in the parsonage, so I had a a, a roller hockey rink in my backyard. Literally, it was this huge, huge, huge uh, roller hockey rink. It was totally fine and awesome to play in until the day they oiled it. Have you ever oiled <laughs> roller hockey? On, a, on a oiled, it's not fun. Um, don't recommend it. But the, there you go. Um, so we're we're playing out there, and my assistant swim coach was like a semi, 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 semi. Uh, professional hockey player, which I really think was probably just a rec league. He just tried to show off to us. Um, but he he was really good and, and took it incredibly serious. And he was a little guy. He was only about this tall. And the rest of the guys who were playing, are I'm probably middle of the road of that. And so he, I, we kind of picked on him because he's only a few years older than us. And he thought, hey, this is the chance in which I get to pay back these punk high school students. And so we're all looking at our feet and, our, and, and and chasing the ball around. Now in hockey, I don't, I don't know. I don't even know the rules. I don't even know what an offsides is. I'm completely honest with you. Someone could teach me. I would love to know. But I don't. I don't understand it. But I know one rule: you never look at your feet. Because you know what happens when you look at your feet? Some punk assistant swim coach who thinks he's cool. <gasps> Just lays you out, and there is—I mean, just whoa! Reverse Superman dive. Thought I was gonna die. And this is a guy who's my coach. Like I don't—I don't—I don't, I feel some aggression here, Chuck. Uh, so there was some Chuck Charles. Uh, there was some there was some issues, and so I quickly learned. What do you quickly learn? Don't put your head down, right? In fact, I just said, you know what? I'm gonna be goalie. I don't have to skate anywhere. I'm gonna stand right here and try to get past me because I don't care. Uh so, i'm not doing it anymore i'm not looking at my feet i'm good to go because every time you looked at your feet chuck full speed boom and they just blast you now i tell that story this morning because sometimes it feels like that's the attitude god has towards us right he's just waiting for us to sin to mess up to do something stupid and he's gonna lightning bolt yeah whatever but that's not how god works and in fact, in James, it says, do not be deceived. That's not how this works. And sometimes we have this faulty impression that just God's just waiting for you to fall into temptation, waiting for you to mess up, waiting for you to do something stupid. Because you know what? He knows us. He knows every molecule in our body. He's the only thing that knows us better than our mamas. He knows we're going to be doing something stupid. He's not waiting. Oh, I hope. I hope. I hope. That's not how this works. But I've met pe- person after person after person. The best man in my wedding had that viewpoint of God. God God's just waiting for me to mess up so he can just pff, smite me. Right? But that's not how this works. And when we view God that way, we've, we live in this idea of fear and, 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 and just trepidation of who God really is. But who is he really? Really? If he is our master, he is our liberator, he is the one that has paid the price, bought us, and set us free, it makes no sense for him to be like, oh, you're doing that wrong. Smash, 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 whack-a-mole, 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 whack a But we, we start to build this up when we start into a sin pattern, when we start messing up, when we start doing uh, weird things and we, get, we fall into our addictions or our gossip or our, 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 our hang-ups and whatever at, uh, avenue that we mess up in. And then we start getting this faulty because we're so embarrassed about ourselves. We start, well, if I'm not even liking myself, then God really must not like me and he's waiting to throw a lightning bolt at me. You see how we get it twisted in our brains and get it all messed up? So we're really today gonna to try to figure out what is then the attitude of God towards us? How do we have an attitude um, that's appropriate in that? And so how do we, how do we apply this scripture to really maybe have a better viewpoint of God and uh, see how this is supposed to be working. If you've ever struggled with the question, why is this happening to me? Why are you doing this to me, God? If you've struggled with getting sidetracked with sin and trying to figure out why this continues to happen, hopefully today we'll speak into that. Um, Particularly in sin issues and um, with temptation today, we're we're talking about stuff that we cause, okay? Um, We're not talking about, you know, why are the volcano blowing up in Hawaii and just like if you lived in Hawaii this morning, um, and your home is going to get destroyed. We're not talking about acts of nature or things that were just beyond our control. These are things that we can control. Okay. So I just want, want to be clear. I'm not answering all the questions of why bad things happen to good people in 30 minutes or less because that's pretty much impossible. <laughs> okay. So we'll try hard, but you know, there. James one verse 13 to 15, when tempted, No one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Why is that? Because he's all good. And if you're all good, you can't have evil with you. That's how that works. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own, not by God's, but by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and, and sin when it is full grown gives birth to death. There's a lot going on here. God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does He not. Uh, nor does He tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. You see the kind of windmill or not whirlpool of kind of falling down the drain of temptation and sin attitudes. See it's when we view this it's really important to maintain the context of the scripture. Um it's really easy when we focus in on two or three verses and just get really really stuck in on it, microscoped in on it that we don't see what what just happened. But in just the previous few verses what did he say? He was talking about the joy. Remember 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 when you're going through the stuff, remember the joy, remember the victory, remember all of that. Consider it pure joy when you go through trials and temptations remember that your default position is I remember that God is victorious no matter what is going on in my life no matter what has happened no matter what sin issues I've, I'm going through no matter what I'm fighting through no matter what I'm trying to to, to to push through in my life right now no matter what I'm in the middle of giving to God God is always victorious and so with that lens and that that context we start start to understand how this whole temptation thing works the word for tempting is really just means to entice, to entice. And you see how tempting and enticing would be against God's nature. God is not enticing us to sin. He doesn't like, oh, let's sweeten the pot here. What can I get Brian to do today? You know, w- 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 How can I mess up Dean? How can I throw a roadblock in, 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 Dean's, in Dean's life? That's not how this works. That's actually the opposite of how the whole spiritual warfare thing works. God wants the best for us all the time. We are his prized possession that we're going to r- learn about here in just two more verses. We are his prize possession. You don't look at your prize possession and go, oh, man, I really hope they screw up and break. Right? That's, that's not your, you bring home a brand new car, you just spent way too much money on the st- stinking thing, but it's got that smell, so you spend an extra six grand on it. Right? For the, for the smell, and it comes home, you're not like, you know what, I really hope that my kids bring in their stinky gym shoes into this, this car right now because I, I would love it if, if everything I paid for would get ruined right now. That's not that's not how that works. But sometimes we place that blame on God like, "Oh God, why are you why are you doing this to me? Why are you t- hurting me? Why are you doing these things?" That's not God. That's sin. Laura warns downstairs so we will be he- hearing a memory verse pretty soon. Just uh, uh just to let you know. Tempting means to entice. In Genesis uh, verse t- or chapter 21, Abraham, uh, the K- King James Version, you might be uh, thinking in your head, but it says that, that uh, Abraham was tempted. Well, that's the King James translation, um, but there's some stuff going on there um, where God is working, and he works a lot like this. He works like this with, with the disciples. He works like that with, I think, you and me. It's these um, kind of growth checks it's these tests in which when we pass, we reach a different level of maturity. And that's different than enticing to sin. You see the difference in that? So uh, Abraham is, uh, is, is, is tested um, in, in a way in which he is going to kind of, if he's faithful in this, he, he's going to reach a whole other level of, of spiritual maturity. It's not a, a sin issue uh, test. So God does not cause us to sin. He doesn't call us to sin. He's not enticing us to sin. He's continually calling us to a better way and calling us to himself. I have these growth checks. I remember some of them. I remember specifically the growth checks gone in my life that I failed at. I've told you about some of them uh, because that's just how I go. Um, When God has said, hey, you need to reach out to this person. You need to love on this person. I was like, yeah, but my schedule, I can't do that. I got, you know, Cavs games on at three 30 today. I can't do that. And God's like, okay, there was an avenue for growth. There was an avenue for taking the next step. There was an avenue for maturity and I failed the test. That's not enticing me to sin, right? That's not, you, you see the difference, David and Bathsheba, that's an enticement to sin. He's seeing a naked woman across the street and he's like, how you doing? Um, there, there's a problem there. He has a choice. He said, "Joey Tribbiani." All of a sudden, showed up. Uh, so, <laughs> I, don't, I don't see David and Joey being the same person. Sorry. Um, so, you guys, you can see the difference in, in in those things. So, hopefully, you do. God is not uh, is not tempting tempting you now. He does allow temptation. Now, God could protect us all from everything bad all the time. He could but then we'd be robots, right? God has created us for relationship because he craves relationship with us. He wants relationship with us. He creates us and goes, you know what? We get get to have relationship. And because if someone says, hey, I love you, and you didn't make them say I love you, it means a lot more, right? My kids this morning had um, Kindle for the last two weeks. I don't know what she has created downstairs in the basement, but every time she comes home from school, she goes downstairs and she's working on Mommy's Mother's Day gift. No clue what has happened. I know like, you know, small animals from around the neighborhood have gone missing, so I don't know what's happening. <laughs> that's not true. Maybe a little bit. Uh, so, But she's been working, working. I didn't, and, you know, Bowen, I was like, hey, make your mom a card. Make your mom a card. He's like, okay. Uh, yeah, he didn't, never made a mom a card. So that's forcing. That's not heartfelt. That's not fun. That's a, Kelly's like, oh yeah, thanks. Thanks for that, Bowen. Appreciate it. When did I get green teeth. Thanks. Uh, but my daughter gives her this huge packet of all of these artwork and stuff that she's made. And that's hard, That's different, right? One was out of relationship. One was because dad was like doing this. You see the difference? Okay. That's the same thing that's going on here with God or the mentality in how we view God is to say, you know, I want the relationship. I don't want forced obedience. He could have it if he wanted to, he could do it. <laughs> and have all of our obedience, but instead he allows temptation because he's like, you know what? I'm going to allow you to have free will. So in this doulos, um, the slave and master mentality, you you have in the Roman Empire, you have this idea of uh, when the master has, he has paid price for the bond servant and he has bought all this past, he's bought all his debt and he said, you are mine now, you are going to be mine. I'm going to feed, clothe, and I'm going to train you however you want. But then he sets him free. Now, the person in, in the culture might have bought their freedom, might have done all kinds of different things, um, or the master might have just felt nice and said, You know, your 10 years is up, have a nice life. But then there was this duty, this experience of the, of the master to kind of be the, the, uh, the protector of that person. And so the political connections, the, the marketplace connections would always be really strong tied there. And, and now you are mine, you are set free but now there's this wonderful relationship. And so this is the relationship that we have going on between us and God, that he has paid the price for our stuff, for our past, for our sin, for all the junk in our, our past. And now he wants us to be set free. And he wants that relationship. Now a relationship closer to an equal instead of, of this, you are my slave. You see the difference? Okay, now enter us in this whole temptation idea. The temptation idea is now that I have been set free from God and uh, he is, he's bought my, uh, my past and all the junk, now I am looking at that slave master over there and going, hmm, you know, their slaves look like they're taken care of. That looks pretty enticing. Well, that's interesting. That looks like fun. I want to go to that party. I want to do that thing. They look more well off than me. I want to go over there. I want to do that thing. That's Temptation where we have a master who has bought our, our past and set us free and is our protector and is for us. And yet temptation for sin is yeah, well, that, looks, that looks good over there. Well, I'm checking it out. That's, that's what is happening with sin. Does that make sense? Maybe you've never heard of sin that way before, but that's, that's what it is. Um, he goes on here to talk about, Uh, this this temptation gives away, or lust, which would be the temptation, uh, gives way to sin. Now, there's two different um, words used, well, there might be more, but there's two we're talking about today uh, used for sin. The first one is the traditional one that you hear uh, me talk about all the time. It's an archer term of missing the mark, of missing the mark. So, if I sin, um, I I just, I missed the, I think of Robin Hood in my head. That's what goes on for me. I missed the mark. I hit, you know, some bystander with an arrow. And I missed, I missed the mark. And so that's the, 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 the introduction to sin. I would call it maybe like a snowball sin. Now all sin, sin, sin's bad. I want to be clear about that, but snowball sins are like, you know, what's it going to hurt if I just skim a little bit on the top this time? What's it going to hurt if I look at this thing online this time? What's it going to hurt when I do connect myself this way this time? But then next time it's easier, and the next time it's easier, and the next time it's easier, and then we snowballed into a whole kind of, this is what's going on, right? Temptation gives way to lust. Lust gives way to sin, which is the second word of sin that we're talking about, which is actually the religious word for unbelief. Because if I keep on choosing a different way, I've chosen a different master. Now I've said, you know what? I'm not aligning, aligning myself with the master who bought and paid for my stuff, who set me free. I'm now choosing a different master, I mean that lo- the master might be, you know, an addiction. Uh, it may be lust. It may be adultery. It may be gossip. It may be, um, you know, greed. I don't, I don't know what, whatever your stuff that you struggle with is. It's that I'm going and aligning there, and that's the problem. But he says that failure leads to what? To death. He's up front with it. When you start choosing a different master than the God who loves you and wants the best for you, you are choosing a road to death. You hear that? See, this is, we talk about, you know, we we think about, oh, this is not gonna hurt that much. That's not gonna hurt this much. I'll be okay. But then all of a sudden, it's like me with donut holes, man right? Can you eat one donut hole? The only way you can eat one donut hole is if there's only one donut hole. It's the same same thing. All right. Sorry. Sin is a choice to walk away from the one who paid the price for us and set us free. Sin is a choice to walk away from the one who paid the price for us and set us free. Remember the doulos, bond servant, Master, Lord, relationship. He's paid the price. He has set us free. And sin is this choice to say, you know what? I'm not going to stay under your, your protection anymore. I'm not going to be under you anymore. I don't want that anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was nice for that moment, but I don't want to be there anymore. And sin is actively choosing not to be under that. It makes. So going back to my, um, my my hockey playing coach, Chuck, it makes no sense for God to want to operate the way in which just to blow you up, to throw a thunderbolt at you, to, to make your life miserable. It doesn't make any sense, right? Because if he's our protector and if he's the one who has paid the price to set us free, why would he not want good things for us? This is akin to me looking at Bowen and saying, Bowen, go clean your room and hoping that he would light his, light the house on fire. Right? Which is entirely possible, but uh, <laughs> but that's what it doesn't make any sense. Like, no, this is my house. I've I've provided this for you. I don't want you to mess it up. But if we're having the, stuck in this faulty thinking that God wants us to sin all the time, or He's looking for us to, to throw lightning bolts at us, we're we're stuck in like, oh, basically, I want you to destroy the house in which I've built for you. That's it's not how this works. We've got to get away from that. I've heard too many times God's doing this to me. God's I don't know how much I can take more. I can take from, from God. I've heard that, I've heard that too many times. Now that's you're close, but we have the blame on the wrong spot. Sometimes the only person we really have to blame is ourselves. We got ourselves in this position. We did the stupid stuff. We participated in it. We had a choice to operate under God's uh, plan for our lives, or to say, you know what, I'm gonna go over there. I'm gonna do that thing. That that sometimes it's us. Sometimes we were tempted by Satan himself. We we're in spiritual warfare and we are we being tempted to make stupid choices. But I know, as, as strong as those things can be, and as hard as those things can be, we are also under a God who loves us and cares for us and has a plan for us, who would stop at nothing to pay a, the most extraordinary price of the death of his son for you and for me. When we choose sin, we, we choose to say, you know what, your payment for my past wasn't good enough. And I, I don't really want that anymore. And I've fallen into that. Like, I, There's times in my life where I've been broken and hurt, and, and I'm like, oh, man, I really need God right now. But then things start going pretty well, and I'm like, you know, everything else looks pretty pretty okay. now. I forget the victory. I've forgotten the joy. Maybe you this morning struggle with remembering the joy remembering all that god has paid for you remembering that he has a better life for you remembering that he's not there to try to throw lightning bolts at you he's there he wants to see you succeed he wants to see you grow he wants to see you accomplish because of this next verse james 1 16 to 18 don't be to excuse me Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. which does not change like shifting shadows? Who does not change like shifting shadows? He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be kind of first fruits of all he created. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good. Which good and perfect gifts? Some of them? A third of them? Every. Every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. What that means is these people coming from the slave culture would have known masters who had temper tantrums, who would have known masters who said, you know what? You were going to be set free today. And I say, no, because I own you and you owe me a debt. Instead, we serve a master who says, you know what? This is your time. This is your day. This, this is the moment. You are set free, and you are free indeed, Jesus says in John. You See, see how that's different? We're used to, in the human condition, I don't know about you, but you know, I, I get to be uh, the boss around here some days. Usually it's Yvonne, but you know, some days I get to be the boss around here. But you know, that's nice, but I've worked for people who, when you walked into the building, you didn't know which boss you were going to get. You don't know if you're going to get nice boss or cranky boss. You didn't know if you're going to... Maybe some of you went home to that. You didn't know if you're going to get cranky dad or nice dad. You didn't know if you're going to get cranky mom, you're going to get nice mom. And and that that shifting back and forth, and you don't know what to expect, and you don't know where the target is on the wall, and you don't know what, what all that looks like. James is speaking directly to that and says, I know there's so much uncontrollable around your life, but I want you to know that God does not shift like the sands. He is there for you. He wants the best for you. Instead of blaming God for the hard things, let's praise him for the good. This is a huge attitude shift for when things are going rotten. Right? When things are going bad, how do I shift my mentality from, God, why are you doing all this to me, to God, thank you for this day? right? Now that can be as silly as, you know, your, your games being rained out on Sunday. God, thank you that I get a day home with my family and I don't have to go to spend the whole day in the ballpark in the cold rain. Amen. Um, but you know, whatever that is, or you can be cranky that your baseball game got rained out. You got, you got a choice, right? Am I going to blame him or am I going to thank him for the good? I could in the instance of my mother and the way in which she's fought with health issues for since she was 18 years old, we could blame God. God, why haven't you done this? Why haven't you done this? Why haven't you done that? We can get really cranky with him. And I would be lying to you if I, get with, if, I, if I don't get cranky with him every once in a while. He's a big enough God. He can handle my crankiness, okay? But instead, look at the good. The time in which I've gotten. My mom, we thought, well, one, I'm not supposed to be born. She's not supposed to have kids. Okay, so let's cherish any time that I have with my mom as a three-year-old, she's supposed to die when I was five. Let's cherish every moment that we have when we're when five. She almost died again when I was twelve. Hey, let's cherish every moment we have. Her, she wrote a letter to my to my wife uh, when I was five years old um, to be read by my wife on my um, uh, at the wedding rehearsal. Yeah, no one wants to read that thing. All right, so <laughs> so she she did that because she was like, "There's no way I'm going to make that." moment. And so she started always kept on putting on these, these new goals. You know what? We'll just do that. So dad and I, we said, you know what? We can be cranky or we can choose to cherish the moment we have here. We can remember the victory that we've had here in this moment. Is that easy? Absolutely not. Is it the most difficult thing you can do? Uh Uh-huh. Right? So you go on, you go like, Hey, I just want to see mom, mom's goal for my whole life was I want to see him walk, uh, his bride walk down the aisle and then get married. And so I was like, I was fully, full disclosure, fully expecting mom to go like a month after I got married. I was, she was healthy then. But I was like, she did it. That's one strong-willed woman. <laughs> I was like, she did it? Okay, Cool. And I was like, well, maybe she's going to stay around for uh, first baby. That became a new, the new thing. So we didn't have baby for like eight years into our marriage. You're like, we'll just keep it. We'll get mom more. She can stay, stay more strong-willed. And then God was like, well, now you get two. Uh, so and then, so it, just, it just kept on going on. Because the attitude shift became, instead of going, God, why won't you just heal her? Why won't you just do what we ordered? Why won't you just do these things? Because he's going, you know, how about we take, soulless in the victory, the total victory I have. I have a new body for her. I have a new future for her, and you get to cherish every moment you have with her now. You see the attitude shift in that? Is that easy? No. No. Is there tears? Is there anger? Is there things thrown around my, uh, my teenage room? Is there things thrown around my adult room sometimes? Yeah. Does God get a piece of my mind sometimes? Absolutely. he still loves me. He still cares for me. He still walks me through that because he's a God of victory of complete victory. And that joy sustains us through the hard stuff. All right. None of that was supposed to be in this message, but I hope it meant something for you today. Instead of blaming God for the bad, let's praise him for the good. Before I close today, I want us to ask ourselves a couple of questions. I want to try to start incorporating this as the kind of application questions for us uh, through this series. But the first is this: What temptation are you facing right now? What temptation are you facing right now? Maybe you need to journal that. Uh, maybe you need to think about it. Maybe you need just to kind of process that. What it's actually a temptation that you are facing right now? What are you struggling with? And the second question that I have you ask yourself is, how has God been faithful to you and your family? And this is a question maybe you can ask at the lunch, at the lunch table today. How, is, how has God been faithful to us? How has he been faithful to me? And then finally, how can a, you help a neighbor face the issues they're facing right now? How can you help a neighbor face the issues they're facing right now? As we work through this, because our faith, if we just only keep it to ourselves and to the people that we like, um, it doesn't it starts to break down. This is an outgoing faith. How can you help a neighbor face the issues they're facing right now? That requires you actually know your neighbor, by the way, which is really hard sometimes, right Let's pray. Band, come on up. God, thank you so much for today, and thank you for this moment and this time and this uh, opportunity to hear about you. God, I know there's people in this room right now that are struggling with the idea of God, that they feel you are beating them down. And Lord, right now, I just, I just pray that you would knock on their hearts to release them of that, that pain. That some of that stuff is just nature. Some of that stuff is just bad timing. Some of that stuff is, is Satan attacking them, but it's not you. You have victory for them. You have set them free. You have paid a price for them. You want the best for them. God, this moment, as we think about Mother's Day, let's not um, wallow in the pain, but instead rejoice in the victories. Lord, we love you, and we praise your name. Amen.